While we'd all like to blame our problems on everyone and everything else, one thing we need to keep at the forefront of our mind is that it is ourselves who are often our own worst enemies. Ego hinders us at every turn. We feel that we're entitled to things or positions due to either our time invested or our, quote, amazing abilities. We spend a lot of time spending money we don't have on things that we can't afford to impress people we don't even like. And all for what? Some false sense of accomplishment. In order to live a genuine and fulfilling life, we've got to stop, quote, playing the game and start building our own empires. I'm not just talking about monetarily either. As Ryan Holiday puts in his book, Ego is the Enemy, once you start being consciously aware of putting your own ego in check, you will be less invested in the story you tell about your own specialness, and as a result, you will be liberated to accomplish the world-changing work you've set out to achieve. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about what ego is, how it affects us, and I'll give you some strategies you can put into place to help keep yourself in check. That way, you can remain focused on your own world-changing work that you hope to achieve. You are a firefighter and an EMS professional. You are a part of a worldwide brotherhood of dedicated servants and you put your life on the line every day for others. Because of that, you deserve better. We are often our own worst enemies and it's time to own it. Let's work to improve and change the status quo. That change starts with us, right here, right now. In every situation we're faced with, as we see a need, we own it and we act. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan Rodriguez and I'm the founder of Ignited and your host for the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. The Ignited Movement is a brotherhood of firefighters who challenge the status quo through a forum dedicated to self-improvement and accountability. In each of these episodes, we discuss a myriad of different things challenging the fire service today, from leadership and tactics to how to improve ourselves physically as well as mentally. We aim to civilize the mind but make savage the body. And even though the focus is on the fire service, topics and principles we discuss can be applied by professionals everywhere. That being said, let's light the spark. But was his path intentionally out of the spotlight? Boyd had a young officer come into his sphere that was insecure and impressionable, like a lot of the people who want to promote quickly to, quote, earn respect. Knowing this young officer was hungry for the role, but wasn't humble or smart in his method to get there, Boyd gave him a speech. And it's a speech that he would give numerous times to military graduates and officers alike. And it goes like this. One day, you will come to a fork in the road, and you're going to have to make a decision about which direction you want to go. If you go this way, you can be somebody. You'll have to make compromises, and you'll have to turn your back on your friends. But you'll be a member of the club, and you'll get promoted, and you'll get good assignments. Or you can go that way, and you can do something, something for your country and for your Air Force and for yourself. If you decide you want to do something, you may not get promoted, and you may not get the good assignments, 
and you certainly will not be a favorite of your superiors. But you won't have to compromise yourself. You'll be true to your friends and true to yourself, and your work might make a difference. To be somebody or to do something. In life, there is often a roll call. That's when you will have to make a decision. To be or to do. Which way will you go? Pretty powerful stuff, right? Basically, the idea here is, do you want to have authority or do you want to be the authority? There will come a time when we all have to make that decision for ourselves. And ultimately, you ask yourself the question, who gives you the authority? And this is kind of a trick question here because the kind of authority that changes things isn't one that belongs to positions with titles and rank. The kind of authority that changes things comes from people who are willing to do the work. And yeah, ultimately those people may wind up with titles and rank, but that's not a promise and that's not a given. That's not a guarantee. I've had people tell me, well, you aren't a captain. What gives you the authority to speak on these subjects? And what gives you the authority to, you know, make a podcast and talk about this stuff? And my answer to that is that I take action. While people in positional authority would sit and do nothing other than bask in the glory of themselves and their own rank, I'm out in the field doing the work, reading the articles, writing and recording these episodes, gathering a tribe, providing value for free because I feel that it's that important. We can talk and talk and talk all day about what should be done, uh, whether at the kitchen table or the rear bumper of the fire truck. But until we take action, nothing's going to change. So how do we start making moves to take action toward making meaningful change? I've got a few strategies here that I'm going to share with you. Um, I think there's about six or seven of them, but I'm going to go through them kind of quick. I like to keep things nice and concise for you guys. So number one, be a student. Egos and learning don't mix. Someone who believes they know it all won't be receptive to learning anything new. And this is the blockade that ego creates. If you find yourself sitting in a training and thinking, why are we going over this? I already know this stuff. This should be a good sign that your ego is trying to take over. And I'm not innocent here either. I found myself having the same attitude, saying the same thing. Uh, however, I use this indicator as a way to put myself in check. Once I once I hear myself or feel, find myself saying, Ugh, this is so boring, I already know this crap, that's my self-check system. I immediately sit up and think, oh boy, here it comes, the ego's taken over. There is something here I can learn. And I'd encourage you to do the same. If you feel like you're proficient in what's being taught, I'd suggest you put your radar up and see if there's anyone who may be struggling with the concepts of the skills being taught instead of being a complainer. You could respectfully adopt the role of mentor actively. Pass the torch, right? Isn't that what it's all about? Setting uh, the people up who are going to take the reins for success. Number two, don't do things just because you can. As paramedics and EMS providers, we should operate going from least invasive to most invasive. I've been on 911 calls where some newer paramedics want to jump right to innovation, basically just because it's now something that they can do. It's now something, it's now a skill that they're cleared to do. 
But just because you're in the clear to perform a skill doesn't mean that you should. For example, for the woman who's having difficulty breathing and blue coloring to her hands, feet, and mouth while she's laying down, if her oxygen saturation is in the low 70s, would you want to immediately innovate this woman? Or would you want to sit her up and listen to her lungs for fluid, provide some supplemental O2, and see how she responds? I had a call just like this one, where it was strongly suggested by a newer medic uh, captain that I innovate and ventilate this patient. And I chose to hold off because not only did the patient respond amazingly by being placed in an upright sitting position and giving her O2, she had a valid DNR DNI. So do not resuscitate, do not innovate, stating that she absolutely did not want any artificial ventilation whatsoever. She also had a history of congestive heart failure, which presented itself every time she laid down. Working from least invasive to most invasive bought me time I used to evaluate the situation and formulate the most appropriate treatment. If I would have sedated her, intubated her, and then ventilated her, not only would I have done something completely needless, but I would have violated her legal medical wishes. Number three. Build others up. When you see someone make a good call, acknowledge it. Acknowledge it right there in the open in front of everyone. Give credit where credit is due, no matter how small it may seem. Rather than self-promote and talk about the amazing things that you always do, seek opportunities to openly recognize others in their contributions, no matter how small. Think about it. How good does it feel when you're in a training or a meeting and the person presenting brings you up in a good light in front of everybody and holds you up as a shining example of, of what you should be doing. Not only will it make people feel proud of their efforts that often go unsung, it'll make them more willing to participate in the process. Sometimes we need to be called out for the bad decisions that we've made as well. I get that. And that's, that's just as important. In those situations, we need to own it, which is step four. Own it. If you make a mistake, own it. In every instance of discord that I've witnessed in the firehouse, in every instance, a lack of accountability is the ultimate cause of the issue. Someone didn't fuel the truck. Someone didn't pass on that there were cardiac drugs used and not replaced. Someone left the station dirty. The EMS coordinator is calling because there are several reports that aren't finished. Whatever it may be, it comes down to accountability. What's the best thing you can do in these instances? Go on a witch hunt and find out who left you high and dry and then crucify them? <laughs> no, that's not the answer. The best thing you can do is to own it and take care of the issue as best you can. Make it your problem. I mean, it kind of already is your problem, right? So why not own it, take care of the problem, and move on? Be the fixer. Be the problem solver. Don't spread the lack of accountability around. Cut it off at the source. Now, this doesn't mean that we let the issue slide. We don't just pick up everybody else's slack without holding them accountable. We need to hold them accountable without crucifying them. We all make mistakes, and it's important for us to purchase that forgiveness of our own shortcomings by being forgiving of others. Which leads me to number five. Be forgiving. Forgive people for being human. We all make mistakes, and we all have things slip our minds from time to time. What's important 
is that we come to a common understanding that our goal as crewmates is to make each other's lives easier and more enjoyable and not compound the stress that the job inherently puts on us. People are going to do things without having you in mind. It's just going to happen. That's, that's human nature. We are all inherently selfish. To expect everyone to have you in mind when they operate is setting you up for failure and a lot of frustration. Do your best to offer forgiveness before you grab your pitchfork and torch. What do you do if you can't recognize your ego? Now, this is a real thing. In this case, there really isn't much you can do. I mean, there's only a few things you can. If you haven't heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect, you have definitely met someone who exemplifies it. And let's talk about that a little deeper. The Dunning-Kruger effect is a phenomenon that makes unskilled or uneducated people overestimate their abilities. So basically, people are too dumb to realize how dumb they are, or they're too inept to realize just how inept they are at their job. So they think everything's going great. In 1999, David Dunning and his then-graduate student Justin Kruger published a paper called Unskilled and Unaware of It, How Difficulties in Recognizing One's Own Incompetence Leads to Inflated Self-Assessments. And I'll include a link to this in the show notes. It's a very interesting read. In their research, they performed a series of experiments that asked students to rate how funny jokes were, which were compared to ratings with professional comedians. They were also asked to identify grammar errors and answer questions dealing with logical reasoning. Their results showed that across the board, those who did the worst on the tests thought that they did the best. Interestingly enough, those who did the best tended to underestimate their ability. In the paper, in their research paper, they laid out the sad truth. Incompetent people can't know they're incompetent because their incompetence is the very thing that robs them of the ability to realize how incompetent they are. <laughs> how amazing is that statement, right? But this goes further than people just not knowing about their own incompetence. Dunning wrote that what's curious is that in many cases, incompetence does not leave people disoriented, perplexed, or cautious. Instead, the incompetent are often blessed with an inappropriate confidence, buoyed by something that feels to them like knowledge. So they think they are amazing. They think they are so good at their job, but really, they're terrible. They're horrible. They're liabilities, right? They're not the asset that they think they are. They're an extreme liability. And it, it just blows my mind because I, I, can, I can think of people that I've met in the past that exemplify this to a T. Now, how do you overcome something like this? What if this is you and you don't know it, right? Because how could you? To overcome this, Dunning recommends being your own devil's advocate. Ask yourself, how you might be mistaken, or how your expectations might turn out to be wrong. Don't assume you know. Be a critic of the information you've got. Even that is a subjective technique to attempt. One of the ways that I personally make efforts to battle the Dunning-Kruger effect is to ask others for feedback. I mean, how can you really rely on yourself and your own perspective if your perspective is skewed, right? If you're not seeing the whole picture, 
then what justice are you doing yourself and what justice are you doing others? So ask others for feedback, objective feedback. And this can be tough too, because we tend to want to ask people who only think favorably of us because we don't want to, we, we want good feedback, right? We don't want negative feedback. Just That's just inherent. It's the confirmation bias. So asking your friends and people who think you're great plays right into that confirmation bias where objective facts collide with your current beliefs. Be brave in this, guys. Be brave in this. Be outgoing in this. It's just going to do nothing but show humility on your end. Ask people who you don't necessarily have the best relationship with to give you some feedback. This can actually be incredibly insightful because that person doesn't really have anything to lose, so they'll more likely be honest with you. Unless they're severely diabolical, and that's a whole separate issue that needs to be dealt with. Um, However... I've personally done this and it's helped me shore up some things that I thought I was, or some things that I was doing that were negatively perceived by others. So not only that, but by reaching out to the people I didn't have the best relationship with and by humbling myself to them, they took it as a sign of respect and it actually helped to improve the relationship. To be or to do. For the month of November in the Ignited Readers Book Club on Facebook, we're reading the book I mentioned in the intro, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. He begins with a paramount question, to be or to do? Let me share a story with you to give you an idea on a little bit about what he's talking about. In his chapter aptly entitled To Be or To Do, Ryan talks about one of the most influential strategists and practitioners in modern warfare. He's someone most people have never heard of, and his name was John Boyd. John was an amazing fighter pilot, but an even better thinker and an even better teacher. After flying in Korea, he became the lead instructor at the Elite Fighter Weapons School at Nellis Air Force Base. He was known as 42nd Boyd, meaning that he could defeat any opponent from any position in less than 40 seconds. It's incredible. Eventually, he was brought to the Pentagon where he consulted on numerous projects and proposed strategies for war. He never published any books, writing only one academic paper. There are only a few videos of him, and he was rarely quoted by the media. And after nearly 30 years of impeccable service, Boyd wasn't promoted above the rank of colonel. His theories and tactics revolutionized maneuver warfare in nearly every branch of the armed forces, well after he died. There are no military bases, no battleships, or libraries named after him. He humbly retired after his years of service to a small apartment where he lived out his days. His primary means of effecting change was through the collection of pupils he mentored, proctored, taught, and inspired. The important thing to remember here is that none of us are immune to our own egos. We're aggressive problem solvers in a career that doesn't offer us a lot of time to respond. By the time those tones go out, we're already behind the eight ball. We have a small window of time to understand what the situation is, formulate an action plan, and execute our plan of attack. We have enough things fighting against us, which makes it that much more important to eliminate our egos from the equation. 
By acknowledging our egos and making an active effort to keep it in check, not only will our work relationships improve, but our relationships at home will improve as well. If you're interested in reading more about ego and doing what you can to fight it, check out Ryan Holiday's book, Ego is the Enemy. It's a great read, and in fact, it's November's selection for the Ignited Readers Book Club. If you love to read and are looking for a book club to join and engage in meaningful dialogue, join the club. It's on Facebook. I'll put a link in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening to the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. Please subscribe and share. And as we delve deeper into these issues, we can come together and help each other learn and grow. Remember, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IgnitedFF. I'd also like to invite you all to join the Ignited Firefighter Podcast Facebook group. This is where we as firefighters and EMS professionals can come together and discuss the topics touched on in the show. We're brothers and sisters, and we need to do what we can to rebuild the brotherhood that attracted us to the profession in the first place. As we lift each other, we become stronger. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, if you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. <laughs>